episode today we have with us a very special guest it's a guest from fuzzle side and we wanted to spice things up a bit because so far our all our videos have been directed towards uh, culture shock and how an international student views culture shock but i think uh, before we began this podcast me and dominic over here our guest is dominic and uh, we were discussing about how <laughs> intra city culture shock makes a big deal about how like intra city culture shock being a person from new york and pursuing his own underground in new york how inter- how intra city culture shock is going to be a, be a big difference in the way he viewed uh pursuing undergrad studies over there but at the same time i think a short synopsis of what we are going to discuss in today's episode is how um dominic really views investing i was just checking his portfolio right now he has an impressive portfolio and the way he <laughs> he has an impressive portfolio with the way he invests into stocks and uh, what to say in cryptocurrencies and nfts there's a like this is like the biggest thing that's screaming all over the news right now and i think uh, <laughs> i guess like this. i guess like it's the only good thing happening in 2021 is to do things yeah. with <laughs> it's but we need to recognize that it's important to identify the bull run like you know invest in the bull run itself and try to squeeze out as much as profits as possible because um, i think i'll i'll debate more over this right now now as we discuss over it i think fazil uh, it's important that you introduce yeah. your friend over here right yeah. so dominic uh, there's a little there's a little fun story from me, how we and how our friendship actually began uh i knew i know dominic since the very first freshman year of um, of uh, architecture and um we didn't talk as much as that time because there were different studios and he was from a different studio i was from the other side of the studio and because we had different groups different classes within the same studio there was not much conversation but through marcelo uh which is also one of the other guests that you would see in the other episodes uh he was the one he was like the bridge to connect our friendship almost and uh, i have been closer to dominic more so since the last semester and uh, that was the sophomore year of our architecture and uh, me dominic uh, marcelo and my other friend jona we just like buddies all the time and every weekend we try to hang out we try to have fun and uh, that's a little bit about dominic that's how our friendship began but dominic would be the best person to introduce himself i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> well then Hello, my name is Dominic. Uh I'm from upstate New York, which if you guys like have a hard time grasping that idea, it's like 2 hours drive away from New York City itself. Um that's where I'm from. I've lived there most of my life and now I go to school with Faisal in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. So he goes to he goes to University at Buffalo in case people miss that University at Buffalo. We're doing architecture, we're in the same year, uh struggling through the same pain. uh sometimes more or less between both of us and we try to help each other whenever needed moving on i think i wanted to begin with one small question now now that uh like before we began this podcast we began with this very you began with this small intention that you wanted to pursue your academics your higher academics in a city okay but then uh this this comes in in retrospect new york is something viewed as a city for each and every person so like how would you view culture shock from the way having uh, having come from upstate new york to the way you're pursuing um in university at buffalo how do you view it uh, any differently from a person like an international student 
an international student takes a lot of thought in trying to uh, go for the right institutions how did you what was your thought behind having chosen university at buffalo go ahead yeah okay so um yeah like i was saying i grew up in kind of this like small town mentality in upstate new york um i think that the town that i'm from uh it only has about like 15000 people which is not like small but it's not super large um and so growing up there i a lot of people that i know have always been really wanting to like stay here and not leave this like bubble hmm. um but i've never really been like that i've always been the kind of person that likes to think about the greater picture and like the world around us right. and so uh when i got to my college years i decided that i want to go somewhere that isn't too far away from my parents but is still somewhere where i can kind of experience independent life and see all these different cultures right, and right. so yeah I, i chose buffalo mainly because it offered that kind of bigger city without being too far from my home right, it's right. about a 5 hour drive right mm-hmm. yeah that's why right. that's why i get that's why i almost get jealous when uh, dominic goes for the two day trip back to home because i cannot fly 24 hours back to back to dubai or muscat for that matter yeah. so <laughs> yeah that's that that that's why dominic is a little lucky of i'm i'm sure like location was i think one of the major reasons why you chose ub right for sure yeah yeah and then you realize oh i should have considered weather conditions in buffalo <laughs> 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 yes, I should have ex- like anticipated all the snow and all the wind. It's, right. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you told me about um you had a different course in the freshman year uh for the first year of your schooling in UB itself. Uh and then you shifted to architecture from the second year onwards, right? So what was the journey of you transferring to architecture? Like what was the reason? And uh why did you pick architecture among the other courses? Okay. I'll be honest here. So I I've always had a fascination with like building homes and things like that. It's been it's run in my family. A lot of my family members have been like carpenters or like contractors. They do work like that. Right. Um and I've always had a fascination with it, but I personally felt like I wasn't good enough to be an architect. I didn't think that I was able to draw well enough. Um and so when I went to school, I decided to do civil engineering. and i thought it was close enough it's more about like figuring out the mathematics behind building bridges and highways and things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so i got into it and i realized that first semester that it really wasn't what i wanted to do it was more math and physics based rather than like expressionary you're not able to express your own ideas it's stick right. to the code And so i i decided to switch to architecture really to just give it a shot and see what happened and luckily enough i've been able to get through it somehow so i'm very happy with what i'm doing now right and i think uh, one thing one thing i wanted to say one thing would i um really appreciate the uh, system in usa at least is that you do not punish the choices that you make back when you were 17 or 18 years old you do not punish yourself for whatever you chose <laughs> it's not the same rest of the world at least whatever you choose the major that you choose say for example in my case i chose computer science and applied mathematics i have to stick with it by virtue by by hook or crook for the next of the four, for the next four years yes. at least for you guys <laughs> you guys have the flexibility to change the major within your freshman year and which is something which uh, i wish i had 
but mm. i think I, i do not regret my choice either way so it's like uh i just wanted to say that yeah yeah surprising enough world. surprising enough actually that's why you see a lot of indian students coming to us in general is because you have that flexibility right you can oh. just take the basic courses the of, of the first year and you can graduate the first year and then for the second year you can take a more mature decision for that matter mm. right so i feel like part of the reason of indian more indians coming each year to us is also about having the flexibility which is something um, which you can still do in india but it's not the ideal step to you know uh, shift or stream or shift your course uh, so yeah that's that's like a major uh, academic difference between uh, doing your courses in india versus doing your courses in america but um, um, i know you told about how you took the step of choosing architecture and picking architecture but uh, much part much reasoning to the to picking architecture was also what you wanted to be in the future and you told me how you wanted to get into the real estate business and become a broker eventually and the idea was more of being a businessman into architecture than a design designer into architecture something like that so what what was the reasoning behind that and what what are your goals picking architecture yeah so um when i Hmm. That's a good question. When <laughs> I was growing up, I was telling you about how like my family has always been into the the carpentry and the contracting. I had one of my uncles who owned a lot of properties in like our town. And so what I would do with him every weekend is I'd go with him and help him clean up his properties and collect the rent and all that. And I was always fascinated by this idea that he's getting paychecks from all these people every week right. just to like live in their homes, you know. And that's kind of what i i kind of want to do like i feel like to get above that level of having to work every day of your life to you know meet your needs you can do these things in advance to kind of set yourself up for later in life where you can just collect those checks without having to do anything right so doing the real estate is kind of something that helps you get there that's something that i'm interested in right right i think i think uh... the way i see it real estate is one of the most profitable businesses and the way <laughs> and uh, having an eye for a product having an eye for uh, design it's going to either way it's going to it's going to either way help you and make you understand how a product is viewed say for example in this case the house how a house is viewed and i think uh, perhaps business being able to understand the business out of it is just it just keeps you on the way of earning a realistic career altogether right the way i see it so yeah yeah i have a i have realistic little... is not as popular realistic is not as popular in where we live because it's restricted to people over here people mm-hmm. of the citizens over since we are not citizens of the middle east we cannot relate with it but i think yeah. uh, it's a very profitable career back anywhere else except here <laughs> right Yeah, I have a I have a little follow up question to that. Is that uh, do you think it it is at least in the age that we are living through and learning through architecture and it gets get, it's getting more and more saturated as years pass by. But do you think it's more profitable in terms of career wise or uh, financially being an architectural designer, or do you think it's a uh, uh, a better choice of becoming into getting into the business of architecture, being a real estate broker? just in america not not generally yeah so in america i would definitely say the the developer side is going to be more profitable 
because yeah. you're kind of instead of like having this middleman when you're the architect when you're the architect you're kind of making the plans and that's your final product right when you're the developer you're the one actually building the homes that people buy yeah so yeah you're kind of like bringing it to the customer that gives you more value if that makes sense right and have yeah. you ever like thought of how you're going to begin the journey of real estate or do you think it's going to be like automatic based as you go i think yeah i i think the first i definitely want to finish my degree in architecture first to have that basis right and then from there they have graduate programs they have certifications that you have to do mm-hmm. to start getting into that field got it i think uh, to something it's pricking me to really question you uh, which is like uh, which is like which is precisely why we invited you to this podcast was like to spice things up was why really what what is it that what is the conviction that you have that makes you think with the next couple of years if you continue investing into this in the in the cryptocurrency space that makes you completely independent on in this what what are the things what's the creative process what's the calculation process that you involve yourself in to make you think yeah i can i can just uh, have a living out of a career it. out of this yeah make a living out of it make a career out of it so like yeah more than i'm curious about that first of all congratulations on trying to achieve that because yeah. that is it's i you're already in like the top 10% of like uh successful people i feel like <laughs> at least for a student <laughs> at least for a student yeah yeah but yeah go ahead yeah the first, yeah so the first step is just kind of like you have to understand the space and you have to like before you put your money into anything you should know like your own belief if you think it's valuable don't just like listen to what other people say like you have to do your own research and really think is this something that will be profitable or important in the future and after i did my own research i thought that this cryptocurrency space that uh is just beginning to emerge now really will right. be something in the future that's very very popular mm-hmm. and so if you get into it early you're really just like even now we're still super super early into everything so you should use that advantage while you still have it because you're not going to have it in the future you know right but okay i wanted to ask a follow up question to that yeah since i i have in, i have uh, put in some area of some i have in my own capacity i have invested into this area yeah. my question is bitcoin right now is consuming a lot of energy okay i'm sure you know this a lot i'm sure you know this as well it's consuming a lot of energy for which reason it will dip in the price right okay Right. this is this is uh, synonymous with other cryptocurrencies as well it will dip in the price because it's consuming a lot of energy and we need yeah. to have some sust- we need to have some sustainable sh- solution to this mm-hmm. how do you think you will approach this <laughs> question this is- uh, in case you have research on this yeah yeah were you going to say something phasal or no 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 go ahead go ahead okay. i just want okay. i just yeah. want you to speak everything about bitcoin cuz i'm a, i'm like a dumb person <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a born baby to this. So okay, well, <laughs> I think that the the issue with energy consumption is kind of a short term problem. The thing with any cryptocurrency, especially like Bitcoin, if we're talking about that, you have miners that have to actually mine the Bitcoin for it to be usable. And mm-hmm. to mine this Bitcoin, to make it very very simple, you have to have a computer that does a series of calculations. And if it does the correct 
computations, it will produce the Bitcoin and it will mine them. Um, right. And so you need a lot of energy to do that because your machines are usually running 24 seven. But I think in the future, just in general, we're going to turn towards more green energy that it isn't such a problem. Right. Um, I think the price of Bitcoin and that kind of thing is more associated with like, there's these general major cycles in the market. They're called like the, the, the crypto cycles. And um, by following those, you can kind of project where the price will go in the future. Jay. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, it's about understanding how the, the tokenomics of whatever like cryptocurrency you're talking about works. Um, so for Bitcoin's case, it has its own cycles that correlate to the Bitcoin halving. Do you guys, either of you know what Bitcoin halving is? No, um, I personally don't. Come back to that, no. Okay. So um, to make it simple, every couple of years, it's like every four years, the price that you get for successfully mining a Bitcoin will be slashed in half. Or no, wait. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it will be slashed in half. And so when this happens, it kind of de-incentivizes the mining of the Bitcoin. Uh -huh. um, yeah, when that happens, it, it gets more and more incentive to mine the Bitcoin, and then that will really increase the price. Um, so right now where we are, we're kind of at the end of what was the bull cycle. Yeah. We just had a Bitcoin having in 2021, which was last year. So that was kind of the beginning of this bull cycle where our price in Bitcoin shot up so high. We were at like 60,000 for one. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're getting towards the end of that bull cycle as we head into this bear cycle, which will keep going for like the next couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. So there's so the price will keep dipping. Yeah. The price will keep dipping. Like October that like will start to be in that bear cycle. If that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Oh, can you, can you say that again? I could not catch you. Yep. So you, it's, like speculated that around October is when we'll really hit into the bear cycle, which is where we'll have a lot of trouble with the prices of these cryptos. Right. I think by this time, I think by this time you could already see the gap of the knowledge of cryptocurrencies we have versus the knowledge that Dominic Eddie's. I don't, I don't. This is something I, speculation I had in mind. I could be wrong as well. And right. uh, I'm no expert on this area. It's just yeah, a couple I, of buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of buzzwords which we are just discussing all the way here. Right. Anyway. But tell us about yeah. your tell us about your journey. How did you begin investing just in general? And then investing yeah. in stocks or investing in cryptocurrencies. How did that journey go for you? Okay, so it, it kind of just ties into my whole personality, like I was mentioning earlier, where I've always had this idea of wanting to be able to earn money without having to necessarily give up my time to a job, yeah. or et cetera. Um, and I've always, um, I've looked to the guidance of a lot of people that have come before me to how to achieve that goal. And one person that I really, really found helpful that mm -hmm. I would highly recommend anybody to read his book Mm -hmm. um, it's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich, and it's by okay. Ramit Sethi. I think I'm saying his name right. He's also yeah. Indian. Um, but yes, he writes this book, and he writes it for different languages, different cultures, different areas. So you can find one that's specific towards India. But he'll teach you the, the certain investment accounts, the certain like ways to go about it. And the biggest thing that he talks about, which I've always taken to heart now, is kind of automate 
you're investing and stuff and then just forget about it. You don't have okay. to like actively work at it. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. let's, let's say you make like $100 in a day at your job or whatever. Right. If you just take 30% of that or $30 and just invest it without even like seeing it into your bank account, just have it go right into investing. You don't have to do anything and you're already building towards that wealth, you know? Uh-huh. So things okay. like that. Okay, um, just a small, I just wanted to ask this because when you mention automate your investing, right? I am not clear with what you mentioned automation, the automate part. It's, is it just like you invest in something and you just leave it alone or you're just, because uh, investing is a space where you, it requires constant reading. It requires a lot of literature to be read to understand the nitty gritties of a stock being picked, right? I wanted to know what you think about that because I haven't read the book. Perhaps you might know better on this. Yeah. So the problem with trying to pick one individual stock is that you can't predict where it's going to go. And what he talks about, and which I should have mentioned is investing into broad market ETFs. So instead of investing in just buying a share of Apple or a share of Google, Mm -hmm. you can invest in the entire stock market. And then when the entire economy does good, you're mm-hmm. making money. It's increasing right. in value rather than just having to worry about that one specific company. You know? Got it. Yeah. Makes right. sense. Makes yes. sense. And, yeah. And research has shown that instead of trying to time the market, because nobody can predict where it's going to go, just investing on repeat every single week, no matter what the market is doing, will get you the results that you want. Right. So like okay. basically you're, you're trying to say like the investment in stocks is a, should be a long-term plan. Like, is that the, is that the ideal outlook of investing in stocks? Exactly. Yes. Right. Okay. Got it. So when was the, when was the first time that you actually began investing in stocks? I began uh, at the beginning of 2020. Okay. Okay. Right. So not that long ago. <laughs> not that long ago. Right. Yeah. And how did you, uh, eventually graduate to investing in Bitcoin. Right. Um, it was probably around the beginning of this year, around 2021. So right. I, I, I wanted to kind of expand and mess around, if you will, with some other things <laughs> in the space. And I, I stumbled upon cryptocurrency and did my research and I thought that it was really a great opportunity. So. Right. We had an interesting dialogue between us with respect to uh, Bitcoin, the future of Bitcoin, as well as um, future of cryptocurrency for that matter. And whatever limited and <laughs> limited knowledge the both of us had, yeah. knowing what you know now and knowing what you could have known then, how would you, I, I think uh, you don't know, this is not like you want to give advice or something, but what would you have done differently? What you what would you have done differently uh, now that you knowing what you know now and what you could have done then, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing that I definitely learned, just to give context to the whole situation. So I began investing at the beginning of 2020, like I said, mm-hmm. and at that point in time, the market was doing really, really good because it was before the pandemic began and all of that. And then right. as soon as the the coronavirus pandemic began in March, everything just plummeted. And one thing that I did that I am very, very mad about is I sold a lot of what I owned at those bottom, bottom marks, you know, oh, and 
instead i really wish i had just put more in because if i had stayed there it would have been a a much better recovery but i guess the moral of that is to uh don't be afraid when prices go down be be aggressive and if you have more that you're willing to put in don't be afraid to you know Mm-hmm. Do you do you invest in any other cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin, or is Bitcoin your mainstream right now? Yeah, I, I do invest in other ones, um, but I try to invest in projects that make sense and have a real goal and a real use case in the world. So okay. something like a, a Cardano, Cardano, yeah, Ethereum, yep, different things like that that have actual use cases. I try not to go to something like a Dogecoin which has no, <laughs> has no real use case, you know, it's, it's just the price increases because people want it to. And that's uh, not the best idea. You have to constantly check and make sure that it's okay. Whereas with these other ones, you know, that it's going to increase over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I something think which like- has a, something which has a, um, oh, like you mentioned a use case, something which has a vision, like Cardano has a very good vision. Mm-hmm. It's uh, backed by pretty good. Uh, it's backed by Ethereum co-founder itself. Backed by Ethereum former co-founder of Ethereum. Even Ethereum is pretty. Okay, I should not say much because everybody knows about Ethereum, so it's it's okay. So yeah, <laughs> I like the I like the way where you mentioned where something that has long-term vision rather than just invest in Dogecoin and just invest in a meme. Exactly makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, I feel like, um, so stepping into the next part of the conversation, uh, talking about NFTs in general. And it's a new new thing. And it it got a sudden hype in uh, early this year, in 2021. And it is a thing that was existing, but it had a sudden spike. There There was a hype to NFTs, and I'm definitely unknown to this. And the first time I heard about NFTs was actually Dominic. So, and he introduced the entire uh, topic of N- NFTs, a non-fungible talk- token. So, give us give us a little introduction of first, how, what is NFTs and how, how it got a sudden spike this year, especially. Yeah, I'm not a full expert on it. I'm still doing my own research, but it's essentially you are owning a, um, a collectible, kind of like when you go and collect your Pokemon cards or things like that. You're owning these collectible objects. Mm-hmm. And you can sell them to each other on marketplaces, different things like that, and collect them. Um, and they allow people to kind of connect more with communities of fans, just like Pokemon, just like other things like that. Right. So, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I want to add on this. <laughs> I want to add on this. I think now, uh, uh, since he, since Dominic just paused for, I want to add something on this. Like, um, NFTs going against the whole owners of um, like even it, it it works on the same it works on the same owners of blockchain from what I know from what I understand because like the whole like the whole decentralization principle where everybody investing in the market are agreeing to that non fungible token to that product's value that's going against the whole uh, idea of uh, you know, um, blockchain being changing the world. It's not changing the world. We are trying to, uh, which I, we're trying to invest in something that is completely having just monetary value, but like psychologic, psychologically a big hype the mm-hmm. way I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I would agree. I think that they don't the the hype that comes from them is always going to happen with anything new, but it's all about right. like fundamentally is this going to change how we interact with each other? Is this going to make a difference in how we collect items or show our support for communities, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think that NFTs will do. Right. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think uh, to to close the discussion on NFTs, basically, <laughs> NFTs is not really adding any value. It's a psychological hype. It's like, I remember since I follow basketball a lot, are you a basketball fan? I, I wanted to ask you since you're from New York, maybe yeah. you watch New York Knicks yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like I'm like remember when basketball cards became a big deal like owning a LeBron James um, you know rookie card was like right now it's being sold for a million dollars or something I'm not sure but like uh, it's like owning that psychological hype having just a card which is having that just trying to mimic that hype in your head is that's creating a whole value altogether it's like say for example I have a whole Beyblade collection at home Perhaps if I sell it right now, it's gonna I can monetize to monetize it to a good value inside eBay.com or eBay, you know, any eBay service. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking that I mean I think NFTs have always been there. It's just that once the uh, NFTs have have been there. Now that I think of it, it's been there since the inception of eBay. It's just that um, it's just that we derived a term for it and involved blockchain into it, <laughs> and it made. It, it it became a big mm. deal altogether. So yeah, yeah. yeah I have an yeah. I have an interesting question. Uh, considering Dominic, Dominic's background of being from the architecture school, and more so architecture is basically more of a design school, right? At least a little bit for us, at least. Um, and uh, because the NFTs are more focused, especially right now, are more focused to the visual artists and the designers. Uh, what is your, what do you think, what do you think about, what do you think about that space? What do you think about artists and visual artists, especially us as architecture designers, me and you, do you think for us, is there, is this going to be a new stream of earning for architects? That's a good question. I I think it definitely could be, you know, (laughs) you're an NFT can be almost anything, you know? So using that space as architecture, as designers and kind of taking advantage of that. Um, I know one new piece of news that I heard like earlier this week, if you guys have ever heard of the the artist Ron English, I don't know if you guys have, but Ron English is kind of like this. He's a, a painter that does really unique sculptures and online art. And he's Dang. begun to sell them as NFTs and yeah. it's make, it's earning him money to monetize his art in more ways than just, you know, making it in real life and selling it to a museum, et cetera, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a new way to, you know, increase your value of your own work and get yourself exposed. Right. Absolutely. Um, so now that we had a pretty uh, detailed discussion about stepping into Bitcoin and stocks and a little bit of NFTs as well, um, we talked about all the good stuff we also talked about the how the energy gets exploited and everything but uh, what do you think are like give me give me like a few merits a long term merit about investing in general and demerits of investing in either of these platforms you know investing in stocks or investing um, into cryptocurrencies or nfts um what do you mean by merits 
merits in the sense like what are the advantage what is like the long term advantage do you think okay maybe like the better way to ask this question would be what is going to be the long term advantage for us because i think one of one of one of the uh, most important ideas uh, in relation to cryptocurrencies or uh, f- for right now is that remember the early days of internet how people were saying that this is all hoax the uh, internet is internet is just going to be a big uh, fail in our life and it's not something we should not something we should use uh, this was in the early 2005s and early 2006 2006 and every time and now now we are in 2021 and internet is something we cannot live without so do you think cryptocurrencies is going to have that big um, impact on our life that it has so many advantages it's a main part it's the part of our life now and uh, what do you think could be a disadvantage stepping into investing in cryptocurrencies or nfts hmm. that's a very long question <laughs> and i feel like it's a little bit hard because yeah. you need to kind of foresight to think about what the future will bring um mm-hmm. different people will give you a different answer to this question yeah just your thought me, me personally i feel like there's more advantages than disadvantages if we're able to kind of like you know decentralize the way we live our lives without having to worry so much about our privacy i think it is definitely a step in the right direction towards being more financially free economically free etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um as far as a disadvantage i think that all of these companies have to improve on their user interfaces this is something that i know <laughs> fazel has a big interest in but i think right. that it's such a concept that most people can't grab their heads around that we need to improve that and make it something that's more approachable mm. even if that means making it look more like a traditional banking system or whatever it's important to make people feel comfortable with your product if you want it to make any sort of success right right so is is that's like the that's like the thing to improve you you're trying to say right right making it easier for the layman to understand mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i think from this whole podcast we can gather that it's hard for even me or any of us to understand fully what's going on in the space so bringing yeah. that to a more understandable situation will be much better yeah right i started i okay honestly this is my knowledge about bitcoin to be honest i started i started reading an article by the time i reached to the third paragraph or the fourth paragraph <laughs> it becomes like yawn <laughs> yeah i yawn but then it it starts to become a coding language it starts to look like html language or something like that so yeah but then i feel like i feel like it's important as you mentioned uh for to to be approachable to more people the user interface or you might know better what that is called exactly but uh, yeah especially for indian audience you know um, investing in general uh, especially at the age that you are investing is something you would not see it's not common especially at the moment it's getting some spike it's getting some attention uh, but um, in the indian space or in the indian demographic investing in cryptocurrency or nft itself is like a whole new thing uh, that needs to be explored almost like so and coming from that coming from that entire idea what do you think how do you think maybe how do you think a student just in a student in general should begin investing where should they begin from or how what knowledge should they first 
uh, obtain in order to uh, begin investing in general. And just thinking about, I know the entire idea, I realized the entire idea was about uh, being financially free eventually, right? Investing less time and having more gains. Yes. Yeah. So what is what is the takeaway for the students and how should students begin investing for the Indian audience, for for me, just, just me in general? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, number one, don't be afraid to start because that, that's always the problem that happens to almost anything you want to do in life. Just don't be afraid to start. Put a little right. bit of money in and be okay with making a few mistakes, but really just get your toes wet. Try to understand what's going on around you. They even have uh, websites now where you can pretend invest, where you like invest in certain companies or whatever without having to actually put your own money into it. Mm-hmm. So just... Start to read articles, try to understand what you're looking at. And then once you get there, like you're already halfway there. Just like I was saying earlier, begin your automation and let the money do its work for you. You know, right. you have earned it. You might as well spend it the way that you want to, you know. <laughs> right. I'm sure Dominic has made it sound too easy, but it's definitely he, not he that. Sound, uh, he's so modest. He's so soft-spoken, man. He's so... He's so modest. Yes, yes. This is. You made it sound like he, he made it sound like you just go have a pizza or something. <laughs> but that's how it should be, shouldn't it? It shouldn't be. Oh, you need to study these, the PEs and all these like all these intense metrics. You don't need to know all of that. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't want to get into these really intense like options stock trading all this really intense stuff that's when people think of stock trading that's what they think of but it doesn't have to be like that you can make it simple by making choices to be more broad you know right and that's Very kind cool. of how i chosen it don't let it take over your life you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. right. do you think do you think a student can maintain the balance do you think we should monitor it daily in order to see what's what's going up, what's going down, what stocks are increasing, where the losses are. Do you think it should be a daily thing? To be honest, I don't. I think maybe once a week, read a, an article about how the economy is doing as a whole, but right. you really want to be holding on to what you have and just buy and hold. That's the, the strategy that everyone says. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, including like tax reasons <laughs> and all that. I'm not going to get into, but... yeah. It, it's just psychologically, it's better to just take yourself away from it and just let it do its thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a good insight that you mentioned, you know, uh, psychologically take yourself away from it because yeah. once you get into it, it's like a whole new spiral. You will just right. not come out of it. <laughs> yeah. right. It's like it comes in the way of your relationships. It comes in the way of you. You get addicted almost. Think- you get addicted, you might think, say, okay, my friend is not earning any money. He might be useless. So just leave him aside <laughs> and let's just focus on earning money. <laughs> it could be yeah. something along the lines. So yeah, I, I like the way you put it. So it's like, it's, it's like you have to have the mindset, the ideal mindset of being financially free and not just investing because the other people are doing because the world is racing ahead and they are ahead of you or something, right? It's for yourself being financially free. And um, yeah. also, I like how you, you know, also said that you invest in cryptocurrencies uh, in those which had vision, right? So it's about having model between them. It's about uh, 
having vision and this this sort of this sort of thinking i think is something people uh, might not realize is also important maybe to take forward do you have any do you have any last comments for the audience dominic <laughs> i i think that my only comment would be to do what makes you happy in in all factors in life and if that mm-hmm. for you is to be financially independent in the future then take that first step don't be afraid it's really? not as intimidating as it may seem yeah and in case you're not able to do it i'll give you dominic's links and you can contact <laughs> him and then dominic can also start running from there there you go yeah <laughs> i would love i would love to give anybody any advice if you'd like to reach out right so. right so uh thank you thank you so much dominic uh, for joining us today uh and i know it's it's a different time zone for you and it was it was actually yeah. hard to get you on the podcast because dominic is such a busy man it's really hard to get yeah. him it's it's hard to get him on his own call and for 45 minutes it's a miracle so <laughs> <laughs> right so thank you thank you for coming to the podcast thank you for accepting uh our invitation and uh, yeah abhinav do you have anything to add yeah i want to thank from my side because uh, since we are still in our infancy of our podcast we are right. still in our infancy and i think uh, you you just saying yes i think that's like already flattering for us and you that's coming right. to the podcast in trying to i think one thing we need to address before we finish uh, finish our podcast is that the culture of trying to pursue a side hustle or a or a job for that matter doesn't exist in our culture it doesn't exist in indian culture where you 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 are expected to pursue a job until you get a professional degree but right. then i think uh, knowing that you're working already you're working you're working somewhere right now and uh, i think you taking out your time for this podcast is something very flattering for us yeah we would like to thank you for that more importantly we just want to thank yeah. you for that yeah yeah and uh, thank you everyone watching the podcast on youtube and hearing it on multiple different platforms and uh, yeah. we'll catch you up next week with a new guest and until then see you and bye bye